Welcome to the Allentown Fellowship Church Podcast. Join us as we study God's Word book by book and then apply practical application to our lives. Good morning. Welcome to Allentown Fellowship Church and hope and pray you guys are doing well. On this beautiful Sunday morning, we are going to continue in the book of James and actually finish up James today. We're going to be looking at the last two verses. So uh, it's been a, a good study. James is a very, very practical book. And if I had to kind of just summarize all that James is trying to say in this book, is simply live out the faith that you say you have. And as you and I know, as being believers, it's easy to say you believe in Christ. It's easy to say that, that you're a Christian, but the real litmus test is the way that you're living your life. Are you living your life in the way that God has instructed? And that can be seen in the way that we treat one another, in the way that you deal with your own hardships, your own problems. Uh, Christianity is not just something that is to be... Uh, believed intellectually it is it is a way of living and James is is throughout the book challenging these believers the way you speak the way you interact with one another it ought to reflect the person who you say you believe in the one that you say you are trusting in Jesus Christ and a lot of times that's kind of the, the criticisms that you'll hear against Christianity people will begin to give all the examples of those people who profess to be Christians, but their life does not match what's in Scripture. And while that doesn't disclaim Christianity as being true, it certainly doesn't help uh, the message. It doesn't help when your testimony, when you claim and proclaim to know Christ, when your life doesn't match the life of a believer, which is not a life of perfection, by the way. That's why First John says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So this isn't about living a life of perfection, but your life should emulate, mimic the life of Jesus Christ. So are you navigating through relationships, through conflicts, your goals, your, your desires, the things you want to do? Are you doing things in a way that pleases his God? Because... I can proclaim to know Christ, but I can also be living a life that doesn't look like Christ. And so James has hit on so many different topics in this short letter, and we come to the end of the chapter, chapter 5. Last week we talked about where James was emphasizing the importance of prayer, where he was talking about saints coming, calling for the elders if they're sick, that to be prayed upon. Uh, then he talks about us praying for one another, confessing your sins to one another, praying for one another. Gives the example of Elijah and how powerful prayer is. So he pulls the Old Testament example of Elijah who prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again and it rained. Uh, what is he emphasizing here? That, that prayer is a means through which God works. And it's something that ought to be evident in our lives. One of the hardest disciplines to keep in our lives is prayer. And I truly believe the reason is because, simply put, Satan does not want you talking to God. 
He just doesn't want you talking to God. Why? Because God promises to work through prayer to give you wisdom, to give you guidance. Well, Satan doesn't want you to do that. So one of the hardest things, I think, for a Christian to develop in their life is a life of steady, fervent prayer. He says in this passage that the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, which means the opposite must also be true, that the lack of fervency does not avail much. God uses the means of prayer to work in our world. And so we could do a whole study just on prayer, and we probably will at one point, but just to know that prayer is a spiritual discipline that God gives to the believer. You and I can talk to the creator of the universe, and God works through our prayers. And so James is emphasizing that prayer is something that ought to be in the life of a believer. He comes down to the last two verses, and it's interesting because, again, you know, throughout this book, there seems to be all these little mini topics. In the very last two verses, the book kind of ends awkwardly. It, it almost like it just, he, he throws another topic out, and then he doesn't really elaborate too much, and the letter is over. So verses 19 and 20, we're going to look at. My brothers, if any among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And then the letter ends. So what is James getting at here in verse 19 and 20? I, I, don't, I don't think it's disconnected from the rest of what he's been stressing throughout the entire book. He's been stressing the life of believers within the context of this particular local church and what that life should look like. James has been stressing that believers ought to be in community, loving on one another, exhorting one another, praying for one another, not bickering, not judging one another, not having partiality, all these topics that we looked at prior, right? That the community of believers is a called out group of, of, of people who, who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. There's a way that they ought to be doing life together. Think about it as a family. There's a way that this family of God should be functioning. And I think when he comes here to the end of the book, he again gives very practical instruction. And one of the things that you and I should be doing as fellow believers. My brothers, if someone among you, among these believers, wanders from the truth, what does that mean? Here's a believer, and yet he is not walking according to the word of God. He's someone among us, and he's going off the path of truth. James says, if this happens, let him know that the one who brings him back brings back a sinner from his wandering. He will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is, this is something that I think within churches, within the, the body of Christ, does not tend to happen 
often enough or well. See, what James is getting at here, I believe, is there is a, a, a responsibility that other believers have to look out for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as goes their walk with the Lord. Now that, that, that means what? That there has to be a sense of transparency among us as believers. I believe that God gives the believer the biblical right to speak into each other's lives. So if I'm a believer, you're a believer, we're in local fellowship together, it's not just about us coming and worshiping. It's not just about us singing songs together and doing things together in the ministry. It, it's, it has to go deeper than that. I should be accountable to you and you should be accountable to me as brothers and sisters in Christ. Which means that if I'm going off the path, if, if I am starting to uh, get involved in things in, 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 in my life that are contrary to Scripture, as a fellow believer, I should be exhorting you. I should be admonishing you. I should be saying, hey, man, what are you doing, man? I noticed that you're starting to go off here a little bit. I, I noticed that there's some things you're doing in your life that don't measure up with God's word. Let's talk about that, man. Can, can I pray for you? What's going on? Like, how, how many of us have that type of intimate relationship with other believers? See, it's so easy to come to church and just worship and feel good about the praise and worship and just love the sermon and... And, and you saw some friends, and you caught up, and maybe you got a fellowship going on after church. Those things are great, and I think the early church did that. They fellowshiped, right? They broke bread together, right? But here, these last two verses, I think James is hitting on some of the harder things that we today tend to not do. Are we looking out for one another spiritually? In other words, do you have the courage... To go to another believer and if you see that they are, as James says here, my brother, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, this person is not conducting your life anymore on the basis of God's word. They're, they're, they're coming away from the instruction of God in a real practical way. Their life is not... Measuring up to what God says here. Do you have the courage to go to them and to say, hey, can we talk? I see something going on in your life. How many of us do that? Or do we see that brother going that way or that sister going that way and we just don't say anything? We just say, well, you know, that, that's between them. That's between them and the Lord. I'll just pray for them. Yeah, we should pray for them. Absolutely. We should pray for them. But I think James is getting at something far, far deeper than just praying for them. There needs to be some action you take. Like, again, and notice what he says. If, if you see somebody wandering and someone brings him back, this is not me just praying for that brother, but this is me actively pursuing him, trying to bring him back, which, which involves what? I have to confront him on the aspects of his life that are 
wandering away from the truth. How many of us do that? How many of us do that? How many of us have that level of comfort to go to another believer if you see something that, that, that is indicative of, wow, this person is really not walking in fellowship with God. There's some habits or some things I see they're posting on Facebook. Ooh. I was on Facebook last week. I'm not going to say who, because that would be wrong. But I'm like, I really need to reach out to this fellow believer. Something that they posted on Facebook. That it's like, I, wow, why would you post that? They say, oh, well, hold on. See, uh, Pastor Ron, you're being judgmental now. Why are you being judgmental? Okay, can we talk about being judgmental for a minute? Because that gets thrown out so many times as a reason for believers not to rebuke other believers or not to go to other believers and point out things that are wrong in their life. Little side note on judging others, okay? Nowhere does Jesus Christ say not to judge. Let's, I don't, let's just get that clear. Jesus gives the method of judging. Jesus is against you judging others with the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit, a sense of pride, a sense of arrogance. That's the way the Pharisees would do it. They would judge other people, yet they themselves were not living according to God's word. And yet, they put themselves up on a pedestal and looked down at other people, really judging and condemning them. Yes, the Bible we totally uh, is against that. But Jesus is very clear. He gives the method for judging. We are to judge a righteous judgment. He says... Judge yourself first. Take the beam out of my own eye first. For what purpose? Get, get yourself straight so that you might be able to then judge your brother. We are to be judging one another. We are to be rebuking one another. But it's supposed to be done in the spirit of Christ, in the spirit of love and humility. So this whole idea, sometimes I hear Christians throw that out. Well, you can't judge people. Yes, you can. And you are commanded to. But it needs to be done biblically. It needs to be done biblically. You know, this idea of bringing him back. Bringing this brother back who's wandered from the truth. What is that practically going to look like? I mean, think about it. If I'm going to practically bring somebody back, go and grab another believer and bring them back because they're wandering, that means I'm making what kind of judgment call? I'm, I'm making some type of judgment call. I'm looking at something that they're doing, something that they're saying, and I'm judging that that behavior is wandering from the truth. Well, what, what did I just do? I just judged them. But it's in the right spirit. It's, it, it, it's in the spirit of, that's my brother in the Lord. That's my sister in the Lord. They're going off track. How can you just stand by and not say anything? That's not love. That's not love. 
So this is why James is saying, listen, the person who actually brings them back, let that person know that, man, if you're able to win your brother and sister and bring them back, guess what? You will save his soul from death. Not, not that you're giving them salvation. The idea here is this person is wandering off the path. They're in a lifestyle of sin now. That sin is going to consume them. You're saving them from that. And notice he says, and will cover a multitude of sins. Referring to forgiveness. Don't you realize that? Go pursue that brother and sister in the Lord. They're wandering from the truth. Go pursue them, but pursue them in love. Not, not in his judgmental attitude. Remember, he, he already talked about that in, uh, earlier on in the letter. Right? Not backbiting. Not speaking evil about them. Not posting things about them on Facebook. But in the spirit of humility, in the spirit of Christ, that is my brother and sister in the Lord for whom Christ died. And for whatever reason, they are making choices in their life where they are coming off of the path of truth. They are wandering away from the truth. Maybe they're getting sucked up in wrong doctrine, or they're getting sucked up in some life-dominating sin, or some addiction, or something. I see them going off. I'm going after them. And James says that we ought to be doing that. How can you say you love your brother, and you're going to let them walk off a cliff? But that does involve what? That involves judging what they're doing. That involves looking at the fruit of their life. That involves coming up to them and saying, hey, I noticed something. I noticed, hey, I, I noticed you post this on Facebook. Hey, I, I noticed you post this picture on Facebook that was pretty immoral. Pretty like, and that was you in the middle of that picture. You, you doing okay? Bro, everything okay with you? I, I noticed your wife wasn't in that picture. Who were those other women in the picture? Yeah, do I have a right to say that as a believer to another believer? Yes, I do. Why? Because that's my brother in the Lord. And I'm like, like, what are you doing? And just to ignore it and to say, no, we don't have a right to judge. No, that's not love. It's not love. I approached a guy one time that just saw some things he was saying that just, as a married man, it's like, something's not right. Something's not right. The way you're talking, and I know this brother, he's a, he's a true believer. But the things that he's saying. So I called him out on. Not publicly. Not to humiliate him. But I got him alone. I said, can I talk to you for a minute? And he said, yeah, what's up? And I said, yeah, I just noticed some of the ways you're talking, man. You're almost talking like you're not a married man. Is everything okay with you and your wife? And he hung his head. Nah, yeah, we're struggling. Man, let's talk about it. This is what we ought to be doing as Christians. Why would we ignore that? Why would we just allow other believers to just allow things to encroach in their life and you see them wandering off the path and you don't go after them? What, what kind of love is that? You wouldn't even do that, hopefully, with your own biological family. If you have brothers and sisters and people that you know are struggling, you know, family's supposed to go after them, right? And this is what James is getting at. If you see somebody going off the path in the right spirit... Go after them. Try to bring them back. In other words, it's a worthwhile endeavor. Why? Because you're going to bring back a sinner from his wandering 
and you'll save his soul from death. You know, there are so many times where Christians fall out of fellowship with God. And when they start to fall, nobody reaches out because they see them falling and the believers that are watching them fall, they assume, well, if I say something, I don't want to come across as judgmental. So I'll just pray for them. And, and, and they're falling away more and more. And then finally they stop even coming to church. Finally you don't hear anything. Then you hear they're way out there and all kinds of consequences are affecting their life. I say this, number one, shame on the believer who never even attempted to reach this person. And number two, it is amazing of how many of those people, not all, but there are many of those people who have gone that way. And then when somebody finally does reach out to them, they will tell you, deep down inside, they were praying and hoping another brother or sister in Christ would have reached out to them. Now look, that doesn't take ownership of the, the choices that they made or the things that they did. But think about that. There have been people that have wandered from the faith. But I've sat across the table from some of these guys who says, you know what, Pastor Ron, I ain't trying to blame nobody for the stuff I did. I know I was wrong. I know I was wrong. I take full ownership of that. But you know what hurts me so much? Not one of my brothers or sisters ever reached out to me. Wow. That's sad. That's sad. It's like they all just stood and just watched me go that way. Now, does it mean if that brother or sister would have reached out that that guy might have turned around? I don't know. But, but the point is he's making a valid observation that the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, should be looking out for one another. And here he sat, and he had that, at that point, at the point that I met this guy, his life was a wreck. And one of the questions I, I asked him, before you got where you were, what led to that? Who was in your life? Who was poured into your life? What, 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 what godly men were constantly calling you, trying to encourage you? He said, nobody. That's wrong, guys. Now, again, I'm not saying that, therefore, it's those other brothers thought that he did what he did. He did what he did. He was wrong. But there's a mandate that we have as believers to look out for fellow believers. Again, this is all throughout Scripture. The New Testament, you'll see these one another passages. Pray for one another. Admonish one another. Uphold one another. Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another. That's family life. That's spiritual family life that ought to be going on. Not this surface trivial, how you doing? Hey, I'm blessed. Hey, what's going on? Hey, I'm blessed. Now, come on, man. Let's, let's cut past all that surface plastic stuff. How are you really doing? Yo, man, I'm struggling, man. Yeah, man, I used to use back in the day, and I don't know, man, all of a sudden, man, I've just, I start dabbling in it again. Wow. What if believers could be that real? So you say, look, man, let's get some accountability in your life, man. Let's get some brothers praying for you, man. How can we help you? How can we, right? This is what the body of Christ should look like. And so many times, it's just not happening. Like I said, it, coming to church with a believer, it's about worshiping God. It's about getting our minds renewed. But it's about 
building up one another in the faith. And that goes beyond Sunday worship. That goes beyond that. That goes out into the week, into the real world. Are you upholding one another as brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you holding one another accountable? Or is it everybody just does their own thing, and then Sunday morning we all come with our smiles, worship God, we all leave with all kinds of struggles, pitfalls, manholes we're falling into, nobody knows. We come Sunday, put our smile on. That's, that's not what the body of Christ should look like. It was interesting to me that James would end his letter, after everything he said, he ends the letter with, Oh, by the way, brothers, if somebody wanders from the truth, you would do well to go and get him. You will save his soul from death, and a multitude of sins will be covered. In other words, you can offer that guy forgiveness. Show the love of Christ to that guy. Interesting that he ends his letter on that note. So how about you? How about you, do you see your role as being... Not only a worshiper of Jesus Christ, but as someone who helps to preserve the body of Christ by going after those who are starting to wander from the faith. Now again, it means that you got to be transparent. They got to be transparent, right? You got to be willing to be honest about where you are, about what your struggles are, so that every heart really knows where the other person is. And then we can begin to pull people back as we see them wandering from the faith. So I hope and pray that the book of James has challenged your heart. It is such a practical book with so many practical applications of what we should be living, how we should be living in light of the Christ that we say that we know. And so we appreciate you guys tuning in and pray that you will continue um, to examine your life Examine your life in light of what the believer's life ought to look like. According to James, look at your life and examine it and make those changes by God's grace. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for this study and this book. I pray, God, that you would bring us back to it so many times that we might remember the, the clear instruction that James has given and how our life ought to match up with what we profess. God, we just don't want to be people who talk a good talk. We want our lives to actually demonstrate who Jesus Christ is. So we thank you and pray for your grace in all of our lives. In Christ's name, amen. God bless, guys, and by his grace, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the AFC Podcast. If you would like to join us in our service, we meet at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, PA, in what is called the Daybreak Room, located in the Dubs Memorial Community Center. Services start at 1 o'clock. We would love to have you come visit. Until next week, God bless and apply His Word.